I invite you to join with me in our prayer for illumination. Let us pray together. Lord God, you have declared that your kingdom is among us. Open our eyes to see it, our ears to hear it, our hearts to hold it, our hands to serve it. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The reading this morning comes from uh, the Gospel of Luke, the fifth chapter of the verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and told the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so, so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men and women, I suppose. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. The kids can come forward for a children's sermon. I'll say it again. Haven't seen you since, let's say, the last time I gave a children's sermon was in December, just before Christmas. Do you remember what we talked about back then? Was we talked about joy because it was the third week of Advent. And what did I say? I was so full of joy because we were waiting to celebrate Jesus' birth. And so I'm thinking today, if we were so full of joy back in December, waiting for Jesus' birth, now we've celebrated, we should still be full of joy. Why do you like telling those stories? Because it tells you how much God loves us. And we have to remember that. So we have to hear those stories over and over again. That's why we come to church. We, we hear this sermon today. I remember hearing the story about fishers of men when I was your size. So if we continue to be full of joy like we were before Christmas, we should be that way all year, it would be good because when you're full of joy for something, you enjoy things like you would enjoy going fishing, right, Henry? You like fishing? Yeah. My son loved fishing. He used to fish for muskies. They were that big. 
time picking it up and putting it in the boat. No, big, big, big. So anyway, if you could be full of joy all the time, that would show through your eyes, your actions, smiling. I think when you're full of joy, your eyes sparkle. When somebody looks at you, they sparkle because you're just so happy. And when you're that way, it shows God's love shining through you. So we have to remember to be able to be fishers of men, we have to show God's love through the sparkle in our eye, through the full heart of joy that we should have. And our actions of being kind and loving and all the ways that you can show those things. So I think we have to remember not just before Christmas being full of joy, but we have to remember to continue being full of joy and being happy that God loves us so much all year round. Right next week we celebrate Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day is a way of showing others how much we love them. So we have to love each other and others and someday we can show God how we have been fishers of men. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us another chance to come here to worship you, praise you, and glorify your name. Help us to continue, not just at Christmas, being full of joy, but all year round, so that that joy and happiness shines through us to others, so that they will know you love them so much. Be with us now this week as you give us a brand new week to start and help us to show that love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming up. Thank you, Nancy. Many ways to get back to where you want to go. So let me ask you a question today to get us started off. For those of you who are currently working or who did work before and are now retired, or for those who have never had a job outside of the home, let me ask you this question. I'm hoping I'm catching everyone, basically. Do you have a job or do you have a calling? Do you have a job or do you have a vocation? I'm going to use the words vocation and calling interchangeably this morning because the Latin for call is vocare, where we get the word vocation. So if you've heard of that word vocation before or calling, those are the same thing. I think some of us get up and go to work and it's a job. We don't particularly enjoy it. It's not particularly fulfilling. We go, put in the time, get paid, come home, and get on with our lives. I think sometimes in the church, we make a mistake in saying that a minister is called 
right? I mean, my employment papers with the church are literally called a call. The church calls, we hear about God's calling, but it, I think it creates this distinction that somehow I'm called and you're not. So I'm going to want us to think a little bit about how we understand the work that we do outside of the church today. Let's take our friend Peter, called Simon here, not yet Peter, still Simon. Now, when we think about the calling of the first disciples and we hear about this, I will make you fishers of men or women, as Hank pointed out, good for you. We think about Jesus walking along the lake and seeing these guys in the boat, right? Simon, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus just kind of looks at them and says, hey you, come and follow me and you can fish for people. And they drop what they're doing, they leave their elderly father behind in the boat, and they leave and they go and follow Jesus. Now, has anyone else ever been just a little bit perplexed by that story? Well, if you have, Luke's gospel is for you. In Luke, the part of Luke that we are skipping over that we're not talking about is the part where Jesus is going around, he's healing people, he's casting out demons, and he goes into the home of a guy named Simon, whose mother-in-law has a fever. And he goes in and he heals her of her fever, and then he hangs out at Simon's house, and Simon's mother-in-law serves them. What is strange about that story the thing that dawned on me just this week for the first time for some reason is that Jesus shows up at Simon's house before Simon is invited to come and be a disciple. Simon knows who Jesus is already because Jesus has been at his house. And then Jesus and Simon, they go out and, and a crowd starts to gather around and Jesus wants to teach them, but, you know, Jesus knows, I think. The last time he preached here in Luke's gospel, he was almost thrown off a cliff. Here he is by a body of water. Perhaps he doesn't want to be drowned about what he's going to say. So he says to Simon, let's get in your boat and row out a ways. He gets some distance between himself and the people, and then he sits down and he teaches. What do you suppose Jesus taught on that day? God? I bet you're right. I would have liked to have had Jesus' sermons. You know, we, we hear so much about the teachings of Jesus, wanting to follow the things that Jesus says. So why in the world doesn't Luke write down the words? 
perhaps the words don't matter. Jesus is out there with Peter. And, oh, one little detail we skipped over here. Peter and James and John, they're washing their nets. You know what that means? You know when you wash your net when you're a fisherman? At the end of the day, after you're done. You don't wash them when you get started. You wash them out when you're done. Although why they need to be washed, I'm not really sure, because Luke is quick to point out to us that they didn't catch anything. This is their livelihood here, right? They're fishermen. Anybody ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? This comes to mind for me when Forrest Gump, he comes back from Vietnam and he and Lieutenant Dan buy the the fishing boat because they want to start their shrimp company in honor of his friend Bubba. And they go out and they don't catch anything there in the Louisiana bayous. They catch nothing. Boots, old tires. That's what comes to mind for me when I think about Peter and James and John. They come back and they've been fishing all day. They've probably been fishing all night. They're tired. They're worn out. Have you ever been in that situation before? Where your job has left you feeling tired and worn out? Or if you're retired, perhaps something like a global pandemic leaves you feeling tired and worn out. I think I'm looking out on a group of folks who understand what it means to be tired and worn out. They're done. But Jesus, who, by the way, is the son of a carpenter, and last time I checked, carpenters don't make their money by catching fish. Jesus says to them after he's done teaching, he's like, let's paddle out into deep water and throw down your nets. And I just love what Peter says here. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And everyone knows, you ask anyone who uses a rod and reel to catch fish, when do the fish bite? Nighttime or early in the morning. Like if you wait until later in the day, the fish don't bite. That's the reason why when I take my kids fishing in the afternoons, we don't catch anything, and not because I don't know what I'm doing, of course. But Simon says, but because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. And so, when they had done so, when they obeyed what Jesus said, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Is this because 
Jesus knows more about fishing than they do? No. But it's because God is at work in what Jesus is saying to them. And Simon, he knows this right away because he falls at Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Which, interestingly, is the same phrase used by Old Testament prophets when God shows up in the form of an angel or a strange creature with six wings and four heads and eyes covering all of their bodies. Like that's what an angel looks like in the Old Testament. It's a little bit frightening and it's no wonder that when Mary sees an angel, the angel says to her, don't be afraid, you would be afraid too. Peter falls on his knees and says, get away from me for I am a sinful man. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men and women. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is not a story about Simon and James and John and their companions leaving behind their old lives. This is a story about Simon and James and John being called into something. And that calling begins well before what happens here in Luke 5. You see, unbeknownst to them, Jesus has been preparing them to receive this call by showing up at their homes, by touring around the countryside, by performing miracles and teaching. Jesus is not a stranger to these guys. They know who Jesus is. But there's something different that happens when Jesus gets in their boat and says, obey me. With a simple act of obedience that has nothing to do with spirituality. That's what's interesting about this. Is Jesus doesn't show up and say, believe in me. He says, let me go along with you to your job and show you abundance, what abundance looks like in the work you are already doing. And I think that that is what calling looks like for most all of us. Is it's about Jesus coming into our lives and infusing the things that we already do with a sense of deep meaning and mission and purpose. So if you were hoping that this sermon about fishing, this sermon about 
discovering your calling was going to be, you need to quit your job so you can follow Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you an excuse to quit your job. If you're looking for that excuse, you'll have to go somewhere else. What I think is faithfulness to Luke's gospel here and what Jesus is doing is to say that God is calling you in the midst of what you are already doing to serve God in faithful ways. Whether you're a student, whether you're a teacher, or a physical therapist, or a music director, or someone who's retired, whatever it is you do, office work, I think I've covered the gamut here. Accountants. That Jesus is calling you right where you are. And I think with a little bit of quiet time and a little bit of reflection, you can probably already see the ways that God has been at work in what you are doing. So what does it mean for us to catch people in this day and age? When you catch a fish with a net, do you trick them into coming in? No. You just cast the net out and the fish are there and they just come into the net when the net moves. Fishing for people is about, in this day and age, you don't have to chase them down. Well, sometimes you do. But chances are, the people that God is calling you to catch in your net, so to speak, are the folks you already know. They're the folks you work with. They are your neighbors. They are the people you go to school with. They are the folks that are part of the social club that you're a part of. It's not about saying the right words or praying the Jesus prayer or being weird about, you know, kind of handing them like a Bible tract or something, you know, coffee with Jesus kind of a thing. You're already proclaiming the good news by the things that you say and the things that you do. By your acts of faithfulness, by your acts of love, will the world see Jesus through you. What is it Jesus says to his disciples on the Last Supper night in John's Gospel? He says, the world will know that you are my disciples by your love by your love. And so I believe with all of my being that every single person in this room and every single person listening to this and watching this on Facebook right now or later today or 10 years from now is called by God right where you are to do that work, that calling, faithfully, 
with love in your heart and love in your words and love in your actions. And by those loving actions and by fulfilling that sense of God's call in your life, you too will catch people. But let's be honest. It's really God who does the catching. It's really the Holy Spirit who does the leading. Our job, our work, is to show up and love. Thanks be to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, thank you for calling each one of us into ministry right where we are. And thank you for the opportunities you give us to practice our discipleship. We ask for you to help us to find that full sense of calling right where we've been placed. Be our constant companion and our guide. Be in the boat with us, guiding us directing us that we might find our calling in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me now as we affirm our faith using question and answer 54? 54 in the Heidelberg Catechism. People of God, what do we believe? I believe that the Son of God, through his spirit and word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. Amen.